of Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Once again, the book of Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb. And they were bringing spice, spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And <clears throat> the Bible says, then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men by them, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why, these two men said to these women, why do you seek the living among the dead? One more time. These two angels, okay? These two men, they asked this question that we will ask for the next 15 minutes. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I'd like for you to take a moment before you see to just look at somebody and say, the risen Christ seeking life among the dead come on say that one more time seeking life among the dead now now listen if they don't want to talk to you I understand they got a new pair of shoes on a new necktie and maybe they got a new uh, a lap scarf or something go ahead and look at somebody else and you'll come back to them later but go ahead and turn around and find somebody else and ask the question uh, why are you seeking uh, the living among the dead all right, very well. All right, please, go, go ahead and take your seats. Maybe they don't want to talk either, but that, that, that's fine. We'll, we'll keep carrying on, all right? Um, uh, listen, just, just for the next few moments here. Just for the next few moments, all right? And I am so blessed today to see my brother-in-law, uh, Reverend Pastor Larry Maxwell, his beautiful wife, Mandy Maxwell, with us today. God bless them. Is that Carrington behind you as well? Good to see them as well. These are my kinfolk, my wife's sister. God bless them. Come on, give them a hand, amen. We love our kinfolk and family, amen. Uh, Resurrection Sunday 2022 is, as you all know, you, you know this already, but I, I like reminding everybody of this. It's historic. It's the most triumphant day, not only in the Christian calendar, but I believe in the world global uh, calendar around the world for 2,000 years. Uh, some call it Easter, others call it Resurrection Sunday has been widely known and considered the greatest <clears throat> and the most celebrated day in the history of time. For indeed, indeed, it is when Christ rose from the dead. And speaking of the dead, it seems the day that our world is fascinated and enamored with the dead. I, it, it won't take me long to get cranked up. Um, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Zombies. Vampires. Our TVs and our social media outlets are flooded with images and posts of deadness all around us. To add to that, these times that we live in, what I call often unprecedented times, times where uh, we have unmatched moments on this global front. Unfortunately, many of you all look at your 80-inch TVs, 72-inch TVs, HD, 4K, now 8K TVs, and you see death in its full effect. 
As of yesterday, in a little less than two and a half years of COVID, we've got 6.2 million people who've died because of COVID. Now we are looking now at day number 55 of this Ukrainian war. And though it is hard to really nail down an accurate count, many people suggest that over 14,000 people in less than two months have been murdered because of the war. Nobody's saying amen, I see. Nobody lives in Ukraine, I see. But in our black communities across the country, whether it's Chicago, Detroit, Baltimore, New York, right here in Charlotte, little black boys and girls, teenagers, adults, now we got grandmamas and grandpas hanging out at the club, staying out two, three, four in the morning, and we wake up in the morning, we watch WBT and WSOC and WCNC and death here and another death there and 10 people here and five people there. Listen, in the last three days alone, I've stopped counting. I've stopped counting. The mall shooting in, 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 in Columbia, South Carolina yesterday. This morning, there was a mass shooting in Pittsburgh. Uh, I reached out to a pastor, a friend of mine in Sacramento, when they had the shooting a week and a half ago uh, there. It seems as if people are going berserk. And consequently, I hate to say this, but there is no regard for life. There's no fear of death. Consequently, we are slowly growing to becoming a community of callous people. Numbed in our affections and feelings, we're being desensitized to this destructive, deteriorating, and demonic worldly agenda. You know, David was there at one time and he wrote this. And Psalm 18, 4 and 6. He said, the sorrow of death compasses me about. And the floods of ungodly men have made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compass me about. And the snares of death prevent me. But in my distress, I called upon the Lord and he cried out to my God. And he heard my voice from his temple. And my cry came before him, even to his ears. And so, my brothers and sisters, on this morning, in this world of darkness, I yet believe there's hope. As much as we see this darkness, this, 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 this disease of death, I believe not only is there hope, I believe there's help. And uh, there's life. I think that if nothing else I convey this morning as a gospel preacher, let me remind you that there's good news yet in the land. And this good news goes far beyond football in the spring. Good news goes far beyond your favorite team or the fact that you got a new job or a new house or a new set of clothes. I believe that the greatest news of all, obviously, is the gospel. And the gospel is the risen savior of the world. Now, there used to be a time in the church when people would say that, everybody would say amen. But once again, we've gotten so to a point where it is as if it has lost its luster. And we've got to get the pom-poms, the cheerleaders, the hieroglyphics, and all of the extras to somehow entertain you enough to keep you half interested in the gospel. You know, the question is often asked, how come churches are filled every Easter 
and opposed to other 51 Sundays out the year. Well, as oftentimes is the only Sunday where the gospel is really preached. Which should also let me know that people are still hungry for the gospel. I read a very interesting article yesterday, five things pastors should stop doing. I said, man, I wish I'd have wrote that article. I wasn't thinking about it, but I love what he said. Stop watering down the gospel, first of all. Stop making an apology, right, for standing flat-footed on issues. I mean, we have made it so to a point. The church is a modern-day buffet line where you can pick and choose what you want, right? And you can fade that back to Scripture. Now we do that with Scripture. I'll take a little bit of this Scripture, but I don't want any of that Scripture. I'll take a little bit of this book, but I don't want any of that book. And we've made this a consumerist convenience store where people can check in and check out. And you wonder why America is losing its mind. But I believe there's hope. I believe there's help. And it's found in the gospel. John 1, 29 reminds us the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And here's what John said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I won't be long this morning. But I want to talk to you today about Christ, the risen Savior. When I look at all these young people here today, and I had a wonderful conversation with young Kenrick today. I said, what's your last name, Kenrick? Tomba. I said, who's your daddy? Joseph. Who's your mama? Ever? I said, wonderful. You got some awesome and outstanding parents. I love having a conversation with the young people. Because if we don't pass the generation or this gospel to the next generation, the Bible says that there arose a generation that knew not the Lord, nor the things he had done for Israel. And that should be the mandate for every man and woman in this room. Is to not bypass, not discount, not distract from the gospel. The risen Savior of Jesus Christ. Luke 24, let me get to the heart of the matter, verse 5. And as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. And they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? For he is not here. But he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered to the hands of sinful man and be crucified on the third day and rise again. Verse 8, very simple but very powerful. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. We're living in a very bleak, a very somber, a very dead season on this global stage there's something agitating me in the spirit and I think that subconsciously I'm trying to stay busy and active so I don't slow down enough to come to grips with the fact that I think that the agitation is God are you are you fast tracking the preparedness of your people I mean, I understand, we've been saying for 2,000 years that the Lord is soon to return. And Peter got a revelation when the Bible says that a day is a thousand years of the Lord and a thousand years is a day to the Lord. And so I know we got, we all smart and intelligent in this room and we got God figured out and we just assume that he ain't come back for quite a time. But what if he is preparing this for the last go around? 
Come on, think with me for a moment. Just think with me. Think with me for a moment. What we see happening out in Russia, Ukraine, what we see happening in our own economy, what we see happening with this global warming. I mean, what we see happening, not just with the war, but other rumors of war. And we, we put so much attention on, on, on Russia and Ukraine. What about the hundreds and hundreds of Africans right now that are being slaughtered in, in West Africa and in East Africa? We don't hear about that. We've kind of patted the little COVID-19 on the head and said, okay, little boy, now go sit back in the corner somewhere. But how come we didn't equate that to pandemic and pestilence and disease? Oh, boy. You, you, you knew what kind of church you was coming to when you came here, so I might as well go and say it. When we can't even define a man from a woman. And, 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 and I'm not going to say that that long, but when we get to a point now where, stay with me, where the love of many has waxed cold. You may not have a sexual identity problem, but you got a hate problem. You got a lack of showing love problem. You can't smile to save your life. You can't be friendly to save your left kneecap. And somehow or another, you call yourself a saint of God. What if? He's slowly but surely fast-tracking this season. I mean, last I checked, the Bible did say that he comes like a thief in the night. No man knows the day, know the hour that the son of man and we may not know the day or the hour but he did tell us we would know the seasons as they would formulate. So keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Be also ready. But we're so busy making money. We're so busy shaking hands. We're so busy networking and politicking and doing our thing. What if? What if? Uh, let me get back on target here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Would you turn there with me just real quick? Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. I'm about halfway finished here. Here's what the Bible says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Would you say the word gospel? Say that with me, gospel. Uh, we say it so much, it's become so familiar. It's lost its punch. It's lost its sting. But the word gospel, good news. This good news, it was good news then. I hope it's still good news now. And I hope we're still a church that has good news for the sick and the hurting and those that are ruined. I hope we still have good news for those who are rich and wealthy. Amen. It's still the gospel. Paul says this gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive in which you stand. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, verse 2, uh, uh, verse 1 and 2. By which you also are saved. For if you hold fast, to which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, according to the scriptures. Keep reading on. He talks about how he was seen of the 500. Then he was seen of, different, of, of the 12, then the 500, and then others. And then Paul says, lastly, he was seen of me, the least of all the apostles. So he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. These are the four fundamental and foundational truths of the gospel. Let's step into the laboratory for a moment. Let me be the adjunct professor for the next 30 seconds or so. Now, we, we, we will not subscribe 
to universalism. Because universalism says everybody can be saved no matter what you believe. Right? Uh, we can't subscribe to the gospel of meism. You know what meism is? The gospel according to me. How I interpret it. Well, I'm sorry, my friends. This is not a political uh, conundrum. This is not something that you can vote on. This is objective. This is the word of God. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. This is God's word. It is settled. It is fact. He lived. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And you know what I found out, Brother Carr? There's a unique parallel to the gospel of Jesus and the good news of you if you're willing to receive it. Because not only did Jesus live, you too should be living right now. May I help you out just for the next few moments? Stay with me. I won't be long. Jesus lived. The Bible says in John 1, verse 1 and 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made. In him was life. Let me stop right there. In him, my brothers was life. Somebody said being saved and being a Christian is boring. Well, that's because you're not saved. Oh, I don't want to be a church person. Church folk are boring. Got nothing to do all day long. No, that's how your grandmama and grandpa raggedy dead church was. But if you really get into Jesus, you'll find out there's plenty of life to live. Jesus said, I have come that you have life, life, and life more abundantly. Am I right about that? Uh, uh, you know, what? back in the day when people bought pens and paper to church and they would write notes. I used to tell people to write this down, but I'm not going to tell you how to write it down. But, you know, uh, I'm a strong believer of living full and dying empty. I believe uh, you should live full and die empty. Uh, Sister Pat, you'll like this one. Many of us are living the same boring week a thousand plus times and calling that a life. We live the same boring week a thousand plus times and we call that a life. You don't like that one I see. Okay, watch this. Uh, uh, some of us die at 30 but we're not buried until we're 80. I wonder could that be you? We died at 30 but we're not buried until we're 80. Uh, I better get back to the gospel. Because, Brother Mark, the reality is this. And I know I'm going to contradict myself in a moment, but I'll give you the context when I see it this way. The only thing worse than dying is still living, but you allow something to die in you. And I'm kind of wondering today, what did you allow to die in you years ago when someone told you you couldn't do this? Somebody had a business that died in them. Somebody has a dream that you're still living, yes, but the dream of finishing your degree died 20 years ago. And you've been hemorrhaging and carrying dead weight. It's become a tumor. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a visionary tumor. It's dead weight. And it's time to sever the tumor, pass it through the canal, and go on with life. He lived. And we got to come back to the reality that Jesus was not a figment of somebody's imagination. He wasn't just some mystical figure. Too many men and women gave their lives over the last 2,000 years to be a martyr for the fact that he really 
did live. John went on to say, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of one and only who became the father, full of grace and truth. Not only did he live, but he died. He didn't go into a coma. He didn't go into a deep sleep. That would have given the Sadducees and the Pharisees a credit to say he would have never been resurrected because he never died. No, he died. Bible says, Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died. Didn't fall asleep. Didn't go on vacation. He died for us. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of your sins. Canceled the whole written code with his regulations that was against us and he stood opposed uh, and that, that stood opposed to it. He took it away. Nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Ephesians 2, 13 and 16. I'm talking about the gospel, and I'm almost finished. He lived, number one. Number two, he died. My young uh, uh, children and teenagers in the room. Number three, he was buried. Because scripture had to be fulfilled from the Old Testament prophecies. He was buried. Bible says in John 19 verse 40. Then they took the body of Jesus. Bounded in strips of linen. With the spices and the custom of the Jews. It is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified. There was a garden. And in that garden a new tomb. Which no one had yet been laid. And so they laid Jesus. Because the Jews. Preparation day had come. For there was a tomb nearby. So if Jesus lived, you, should, you, you too should live. Yes. And if Jesus died, maybe there's some things in us, not the dream and not the vision, but maybe there are some things that should die in us. I don't want to contradict myself from what I said earlier. Your dreams should live. Your vision should live. Your aspirations should continue to live. But the Bible speaks of putting to death the mortal flesh in our bodies. There are some desires, some habits, some proclivities, some sin, some compromises. Can I keep going? There are some things that we should put to death in our bodies. You know, the Holy Ghost told me about a scripture this morning. And I've read this scripture all my saved life. But I know he was speaking live and clear today. Because there was a revelation behind it I never really saw before. The Bible says that you don't have to turn it. Just write it down. John 13, excuse me, John uh, 12 and 24. You don't have to turn there, but just write it down. John 12, 24. The Bible said, except a seed fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. And then it will perform. I'd always focus on the perform and the dying part, but I never really focus on the falling part. Let's go back and look at that again. Except a seed falls. Some of you all have experienced some major fallings in your life. It wasn't popular. It certainly wasn't famous. If anything, it was embarrassing, shameful, condemning, guilt, and the rest. But it had to happen. Because had it not happened, there were some things in your flesh that would not have died. Because had it been up to you, you would have kept it on ICU as long as you could. You would have kept, oh God, I almost said something. I almost said something. You would have kept a bottle or two and hidden. You would have kept a phone number or two hidden. You would have kept some weed hidden. 
Uh-huh. But God saw fit in his own sovereignty to expose. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrew, whom the, love, whom the Lord chastens, he loves. You're not a fatherless child, but he loves you so much. And he hurts with you when he has to discipline you. He cries with you when he has to see you hurt and humbled and broken. But accept a seed fall and then die. It abideth alone. But what does the next verse say? But then it now can begin to produce. And some of you all are producing and some of you all are performing at an ultimate global worldwide level like never before. Because God had a plan even for your falling. God, listen, you didn't plan for the divorce, but God had a plan for that divorce. No, it wasn't his perfect will, but it was permitted will. Oh, you didn't, we know you didn't know what was going on in your world when you went through an abortion or you went through this pain or you went through this situation. No, it wasn't his perfect will, but he allowed it for some reason. Now you look back at things full circle, you see, now God, I see that God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a pain. Let me get finished. He lived. He died. He was buried. The Bible says, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. Number four, he arose from the dead. My time is almost up. But I need to tell every one of you why the resurrection is so important. The resurrection and usually when I preach, I teach a message like this, I normally would bring in all the other quote-unquote false gods as a comparison. Oh, I'd talk about Muhammad, and I'd talk about Buddha, and I'd go down the list with Harry Krishna, and Jim Jones, and Joe Smith, and I'd just go down the line of all of the so-called false gods, and what made Jesus so opposite different. All of these uh, men chasing gods, or, or I should say God chasing men, but what made Jesus different was instead of men seeking after their God, this God sought after the man. For the son seeketh to save that which is lost. Oh, I could go and talk about all of the false religions. Won't do that today. Here's what I'll do today. The resurrection is so important because it is the central focus point of our Christianity. You can have a false God that lived. And that might be true. You may have served a cult leader that died. And that is inevitable. But there was something about resurrection. There's something about raising from the dead. And the gospel is important. Not only is it our central fact of Christian history, the church is built today. That's what makes the church different. You can hate the church. You can laugh at the church. You can mock the church. You can scorn the church. But what makes the church the unique, unparalleled institution today is that we are founded on the gospel of the resurrection. No other institution can lay claim and hold to that fact. Number two, God's mighty power is at work destroying Satan's plans, destroying sin and sickness and death and grave is conquered because of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for counseling. 
Thank God for therapy. Thank God for mentoring. And thank God for coaching. But nothing can save you from your sins like the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, we all need education. We all need some type of upward mobility in the corporate, the retail, the civic, and the social. But what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole in my mind again? Nothing but the blood. And so today, the resurrection is important because it helps us find meaning even in tragedy. I called a buddy friend of mine who's burying his father in New York this weekend. And I said, I know what it's like to bury a parent too soon. And I wish I could tell you that it goes away easily, but it technically really never goes away. It does get better from time to time. But even in the heart, hardest of your pain, there's hope and there's healing. Because the resurrection reminds all of us that one day again, you shall live. One day again, if you live right, this is not the final chapter. My time is up, my brothers and sisters. And I, I'm going to have to get out your way. But I think I would disappoint you today if I gave you all those facts and left you with a good history lesson, but didn't give you something to apply to your relevant everyday, what can I do right now life? I'd like for you to pray today. And I want you to walk out this sanctuary this morning with a commitment. And I'm going to ask these last five minutes that I have for you to make a commitment to four things. They're not difficult. They're not long. But I do believe they'll change your life. Number one, I want you to commit to keeping your eyes on Jesus. And I know we've got a whole lot of TikTok videos. I know we got a lot of distractions on Facebook and social media. And I know we got over 200 channels on DirecTV. And there's a whole lot of stuff we could be watching all day long. But would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, keep your eyes on Jesus. I think Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 said it best. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such great clouds of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Uh, would you say that with me? Looking. Come on, somebody say it with authority. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I know I'm a media guy and I love watching the news, but boy, that news can get you depressed in a New York moment. Uh, but after I watch the news and after I scroll through Facebook and Twitter, I got to realize that if I keep my eyes on the news, I'm going to be crazy after a while. But keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, because if you keep your eyes fixed and focused on him, you realize uh, that there's nothing uh, he experienced uh, that you can also go through and experience. He experienced death and burial, but he got up. Colossians 3, 1 says, if Christ rose from the dead, you too rise. Be who God has called you to be. Number two, may you commit to praying and praying with power. I think it's time out for the church having all these Pop-Tart, popcorn, and pretty cute prayer meetings. Nobody's being moved. No demon in hell is being threatened. No mosquito is being shaken. We're quiet as a church mouse licking on a piece of ice. But now God is raising up a generation 
of people who will call heaven down and begin to bind and loose and can bombard the earth with power and authority. I know we are told to be politically correct, and you may not want to wake up everybody in your home, but there comes a time you need to put your hair in a ponytail with a rubber band, take off those pretty shoes, put you on some flats, and go to war over your son, over your daughter. De Nehemiah said, learn how to fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your grandbaby. Fight for your mind. Fight for your body. Fight for your church. Fight for your money. Fight and believe God. My God, every queer, every man, every woman who's unconfused is coming out of the closet and Christians are running into the closet. I'm trying to find out that the redeemed of the Lord say so and if you're going to be a man, be a man. If you're going to be a woman, be a woman. If you're going to be bold, the Bible says the righteous are bold as lions. We've gotten so scared, so fearful. All this cancel culture, we don't have no more opinions on nothing. But yet the barber has an opinion. The beautician has an opinion. The nail salon person has an opinion. The commentator on TV has an opinion. Don Lemon has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion but the church. And so may God cause us to go back to people of prayer. And maybe go to people, be a people of practicing love. Bible says, Matthew 5, I'm almost finished. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Bible says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How you love one another. It ain't about your tongues. It ain't about your prayer. It ain't about how you dress. It's not about your Hebrew or your Greek or your Latin, your Swahili or your Pig Latin. It is all about how you love your neighbor. And right when you think you've mastered loving your neighbor, can you love your enemy? You can pray for your brothers and your sisters and pray for your prayer partner, but can you pray for the one who's cussing you out? Can you pray for the one who's creating a snare against you? While they're creating a plot for your failure, can you go down on your knees and pray for your enemies? Love your neighbors. So those things being said, you know, may we be a people committed to love, prayer, and may we be a people that don't mind standing for what's right. Speaking of standing, would you stand to your feet? Come on, praise team. We're living in an hour and a time. I've said this for the last few weeks. Money will no longer be the greatest commodity and currency of our generation. Please stay with me. I'm going to ask that you just hold tight for these last two or three minutes. Some of you all are making more money than you've ever made in your life, even in COVID. <sighs> even in COVID. And you know what? You've come to the conclusion. It's really not about the money. You know what it's about? Time. Warren Buffett said this, the rich invest in time, but the poor invest in money uh, you'll get that next week I, I think he would have now if, I'd, if we would have said that okay one day I'd the other 
one of the richest men in the world said the rich invest in time you know what just brought some to my memories I had to fly to Florida this past Wednesday for a day meeting I met with I met with some clients the three owners in, in, in church technology I left my home wife dropped me up to the airport flew to Florida had a three and a half hour meeting three owners and the CEO and the whole three and a half hours was about my Q2 report they wanted to know what was my plan for Q2 second quarter and I know we're recording so I have to be very careful and cautious how I say what I say but between two of the owners um, y'all feel me they've, they've left the whole <coughs> million they've left that level y'all got me they left the M level. They at the B level. Y'all got me? Y'all? And the one said, the one who's my age said, he said, he said, Pastor Mike. He said, you have to know how to manage your time daily. I wrote some cleft notes because he told me how he spends his day. I spend a third of my day doing this, a third of my day doing that, a third of my day doing this, and the last 10% I do preparing for I'm just yet writing notes because anybody who's working on them, okay, I'm listening. That's right. I'm listening closely. And guess what? You should be listening too. If you're not careful, we will spend the majority of our lives in this proverbial hamster cage, going in circles, making a whole bunch of noise, kicking up a whole bunch of sawdust, and going nowhere. The gospel is good news. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? We never get to the next question that the, 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 the author writes. What do you have in your possession that you could exchange for your soul? Is it a car? Come on, man. Whether it's depreciation? Is it a house? Is it land? Is it stocks and bonds? What do you have? that you could barter with God for your soul? The answer is nothing. And maybe you didn't come to church to hear this today. But the reality of the matter is this, the greatest commitment, bigger than love, bigger than prayer, is the commitment of giving your life to Jesus. Okay? The greatest commitment. You know, you hear people say all the time, oh man, I, that's a white man's religion. Oh, it's a white man's book. Well, so are the history books in your junior high and high school class and colleges. But it didn't stop you from graduating from college. <laughs> right? Doesn't matter to me, white, black, blue, green, polka dot plaid, paisley. What does all that matter? What matters is that the blood was crimson red. And that blood cleansed me from my sins. That's what matters. Okay? So don't let the devil fool you with all this rhetoric and distractive stuff. The truth of the matter is this. It is appointed man wants to die. And then there's going to be a judgment. Okay? No ifs, ands, buts about it. Right? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be 
saved. And, and I know there are some in the room, well, you know, I'm already saved and I feel good and you know, I'm, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman, I try to do really, really good all the time. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short. All, not y'all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if the Lord was to mark iniquity, who could stand? There's nobody in this room that could stand. And even on your best day, let me help you out real quick. Even on your best day, Isaiah 64, 6, if we're all, the Bible says, but we're all like an unclean thing, that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But you know what I love about the gospel? The Bible reminds us wherever sin abounds, there does also grace abound much more. So here's the plan. Here's the plan. I want to make it as simple as possible. And I hope I'm not offending anybody with this elementary conversation. It's A, B, C to me. A is, is admit. B is believe. And C is confess. It's really not that difficult. I was 18 years of age when I gave my life to Jesus at North Carolina A&T State University as a freshman. Okay? I grew up in the church. I had an ecumenical background. Catholic, Baptist, Amy Zion, and Assemblies of God, and all over the place in Texas. But that night when the gospel was presented to me, I, I had to, it, there was no intellectual reasoning and arguing. Number one, I didn't want to go to hell, first of all. Right? right? Number two, I just felt that I really wanted to, to please him. So I admitted I am a sinner. I believe that, yes, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again. I believe that. Wasn't there. But I do believe that what I read and what I feel happened. So the rest was easy. Confess. And how did I confess? By giving my life to Jesus. I want to pray with you. And I want to pray what is traditionally called the sinner's prayer. But basically what it all is is an opportunity for you to receive the gift of salvation. And it's, it's that time when you pray this prayer and I just believe the presence and the spirit of God comes on the inside of you. And that's, that's the beginning, right? Because now we're going to set a trend. We're going to set a track. We're going to start a new beginning. Because every day you're going to grow and grow and grow. We're going to help you. And we want to walk this journey with you as you walk with God and he walks with you. And every day we want to see you get bigger and stronger and better for the Lord. But it simply starts today. If you will allow him to come into your life. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. There's some in the room right now who've never prayed this prayer. And I'm so honored to be the first one to pray this with you. There are others in the room, you've prayed this prayer maybe once, twice. Maybe you've prayed it many times. But for whatever reason, God brought you back here today to, re to restore and to recommit on the 17th day of April. Resurrection Sunday. And I'm so glad you're here. I want to pray with you as well. Father, as we just stand in your presence today, I thank you that you've made yourself so real in this room. So strong and mighty. That we can feel your presence. We can feel you literally right next to us. And we sense the conviction, we sense the, the distance of not being where you would have us to be. 
So Lord, with that being said, we, we, we just want to say thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We didn't quite know what love was. You yet loved us while we were sinners. And you have a plan and a purpose. In fact, your salvation. You gave Jesus your son that we would have life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. All things have become brand new. And so, Father, today we thank you that you so loved us. You gave your son Jesus. And whoever believes on you, that we should not perish, but that we could have everlasting life. You did not send Jesus to condemn us, but you sent him that we would be saved. Pastor Stevens, I'm not saved, but I want to be saved today, right now, right here. While every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand right where you're standing. Just right where you're standing. I just want to pray with you. I just want you to slip that hand up. I want to know who I'm praying for, who I'm praying with. I see your hand. I see your hand. Would you just take a moment to lift that hand? There's no need to be embarrassed. I don't want anyone to feel ashamed or no one should feel guilty. Just, I just want you to be honest. Because the minute you say yes, he's already in motion to give you a brand new life. I see your hand. I see your hand. Way in the back. Way in the back. Way up front. Thank you. I see your hand. Pastor, I, I, I want to recommit my life today. I, I heard the gospel. I, I hear this good news. And yes, I don't want to leave without rededicating my life on this day. Would you lift your hand as well? I want to pray for you too. Thank you so much. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. All right. Good. 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 Keep those hands lifted if you would. Saints, let's pray this prayer out loud. And, and I want us to pray this as a family today. And it's simply a prayer that we're going to pray out loud together. And after we pray this prayer, thank God for a brand new life being saved and born again come on say this repeat these words say lord thank you for your word thank you for your love forgive me for all of my sins i do believe in my heart and today i confess with my mouth that your son jesus he is lord he is king and he is Savior. I receive today the gift of salvation. I receive today your Holy Spirit that I may be your child and that you would be my God. Save me. Feel me in the name of Jesus. And Lord, thank you for redeeming me from the curse of the law and giving me a brand new life. This I pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen and amen.